So hello everybody and welcome to the latest case episode and it's hello from me Patrick Twitchett of Simplies and it's it's a very very warm hello from Melvin of M&M Consultancy and it's a, an even warmer hello from our guest uh, this month which is Rob Conroy hi hello Rob um, so all, all our folks out there listening in, we've got a very topical uh, subject this month. Um, it's actually titled It's a Gold. And uh, we're recording this um, right in the middle of the Euros. In fact, it was the, uh, what was it, guys? It was the semi-final last night. So semi-final, yeah. Semi-final, yeah. To the final. Yeah. The first time in 55 years yeah. England are through and into an international final. So it's all much excitement. Yeah, so, one, that I, one that I can remember, because I don't remember the last one. Oh, well, I thought, you, you know. Yeah, I know what you thought. But, <laughs> but, you, know, you know, we just have to put the record straight. <laughs> I'm not as old as I look. <laughs> oh, I thought you got into the last one with a senior pass, Milton. Oh, listen, yeah. I thought you were going to go back to the 1940s, but we haven't been in the final since previous to 1966. <laughs> Oh, I thought you could remember the one before as well, Melvin. No, no, no. I, can't, I, I don't do the 1900 Olympics either. <laughs> right, so... Get, get on with it, otherwise I'll knock your hat off. Indeed, I'm sure you will. Somehow through the cyber, cyber waves, you will, I'm sure, achieve that. No, it's the other way. So, Rob, you are... A, um, we'd like our audience, first of all, just to know... Um, a little bit about you. So if you could sort of give us a 20 or 30 second burst of who you are and what it is that you do, please. Okay, fine. Um, I'm Rob Conroy. My background has been in business management in various types of businesses for probably the last 30 something years. Um, for the last 15 years, um, I retired about 15 years ago. And uh, I've been doing business coaching, business consulting, um, and I still do it, working a lot with small to medium businesses um, and helping them achieve the things that they want to do with their business, which feeds in nicely to what they want to do with their life. Um, yeah. Feeds in nicely to the whole concept of if you set some goals, you're far more likely to achieve it. could uh, lead us off on your your first point um, and then I'm sure Melvin and I will jump in with interrogation at various points. <laughs> okay well I think my first point starts with the premise that in my view you work to live you don't live to work and yeah. if, you, if you've gone to the trouble of setting up your own business you've taken all the risks in doing that um, the lack of security, you haven't got you know, redundancy money to fall back on if you, your business goes bust or something like that. Um, you've taken the risk in investing your time and your money into doing something that you believe in. Um, and you need to get some reward from it. And in my view, 
that should be giving you the freedom to do the things you really want to do with your life. So how important, Rob, would it be for <clears throat> anyone out there, even for us, to get involved in something that we passionately like to do? Or from a monetary point of view, is, let's say, uh, very rewarding to do, even if we don't like it? Um, I think it should, the idea is a combination of both. Um, if you had to choose, I would say I'd choose for the one that you feel some empathy with and can enjoy doing. Now, for some people, notably entrepreneurs, that's, they can enjoy doing anything because their, their vision of success is here is an area of the market that's poorly served or underserved, or it's almost a rip-off market. Mm. So if you look at the airlines, if you've got a monopoly on a particular route, you can charge what you like for it. The London, New York route is a good example. Loads of people have set up trying to get in and crack that market. Freddie Laker was probably the original one. Um, yeah. And they, they know that they can do it a lot, lot cheaper. Gradually, yeah forced out by the other uh, forces at work but I think the for an entrepreneur is to see that thing crack that market make a success of it and then typically they don't want to sit there and run a business afterwards they will sell the business and then move on and doing it all over again in a totally different market mm. not many of us are built that way so no. I would err on the side of doing something that you personally enjoy and you're comfortable mm. with, but be sure that you can make some money out of it. Mm. I mean, would you say that uh, you have a one or two or three or a handful of people that you might make reference to as good example of that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, our free Laker, unfortunately, despite his success, he failed. But are there entrepreneurs today that you would say to people out there, these are great examples? Yeah, I think most People who are running companies in big tech, Jeff Bezos, uh, the guy who, who does Virgin Media, I can't think of his bloody name yet. Oh, Richard uh, Branson. Richard Branson. Well, yeah, he's, if, if, yeah, he's a terrific guy. He started something, recognises that he's a great public face for the Virgin businesses, mm. recognises that he's no good at running them and doesn't want to try. So let's get the right people in to do it. Mm. You know, they're, they're very successful entrepreneurs. They had a vision, and the, the vision is where it all starts. And for mm. me, the vision is what do you want your life to look like? Mm. And we'll come on to that probably a bit later on. Yeah. Because everything else drops out as a subset of that. If you don't have a vision in the first place, then you're probably not going to be successful at setting the goals and doing it, because what are you working towards? Sure. Yeah, very true, Rob. And I think, you know, it is it is right. We do we do work to live. Um, there are people that live to work and it, and it and when you take the work away, then there's nothing left in Absolutely. that sense, isn't there? Yep. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And and I think if you can have that passion and joy in what you're doing, you're not really working, are you? It, because you're enjoying it so much. It almost yeah. you can almost feel guilty in calling it work, and I think that's an ideal place to be, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
Okay, so so tell us more then, Rob. We want to know. We want to know how we can set the right goals in our lives and and um, get on it in on our intrepid journey. Okay. Um, well, I guess like I say, the first thing is, what's important to you about your life? What is it that you want your life to look like? Um, or what sort of things do you want to achieve within your life? So you might sit there and say, well, I actually want to live in a great big house and I want to have a Mercedes-Benz parked in a garage um, and I want to swim and pull out the back. Um, okay, great. When do you want to achieve all this by? You ain't going to do it next week if you're nowhere near now. Um, so let's start with a plan. Or maybe let's start with something a little bit less ambitious. There may be things you want to do in your life and say, actually, I'm not particularly bothered in all the material gains and the Mercedes in the garage. What I'd actually like to do is travel more and I'd like to learn some languages. Okay, which languages would you like to learn? Well, I'd like to learn Mandarin Chinese, for argument's sake. Um, to what, dis what extent? So, you know, let's set ourselves some parameters here. Um, I want to be able to converse naturally in, you know, a normal social environment in Mandarin Chinese. Okay, that's a good start. So let's set some measurements against how we're going to do this and by when you're going to do it and understand what things you need to put in place to do it and how you're going to recognise when you've succeeded. Mm. So you've set... In that case, you set a vision of yourself talking in Mandarin Chinese. Um, and uh, if there's people out there living, uh, watching who actually do this, well, well done. Um, it's not one I'd try and set for myself, but um, you've got the, the vision there. So, you know, start setting some backwards objectives from it now with some milestones in it and make sure that the goal that you've set and the objectives that you're going to set mm. are SMART and the, the SMART acronym stands for they're specific so you very clearly define what they are they're measurable so you've got a way of measuring your progress towards that goal um, they're achievable don't set yourself something that's totally impossible um, they're relevant so particularly when you're setting goals for your business um, why set something unless it's relevant to what you're actually wanting to do? Mm. Um, and then last of all, time-based. So by when do you want to have achieved this so you can measure it and see whether you're there or not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no. That, and uh, yeah, the good smart breakdown there of uh, goal setting there, Rob, that's, that's really important. And I think one of the key areas on that can be relevance. I think people that are entrepreneurially minded, we can be very easily distracted by some other opportunity um, that lies around us. And that can be a huge distraction. Mm. And you need to focus uh, in, in anything that you're doing, like you're talking about these goals. And if you, if you lose that focus, you get off track. And I think it's something that um, a lot of us can be very guilty of when we go, oh, this looks like a great opportunity. If it's not relevant to what we're doing, that's taking us off track, isn't it? And I think it's, you can liken it to a physical journey. 
And if you set out yeah. and say, I want to go to America, um, and I want to, I want to sail to America, okay? Um, all right, that's a start. Now be specific. Which bit of America do you want to finish up in? California or Miami? Because they're on opposite sides of the bloody coast. So <laughs> once you've set that goal and you understand where you're going to, where you're looking to get to, and you can define it, how are you going to do it? Um, have you got a boat? Can you sail? Um, if not, do you need to learn that bit first or get a boat or whatever it happens to be? Mm. Um, and then once you set yourself out, you, you're on that course, don't get diverted off it. Because if you do, you won't finish up where you were setting out to go. Mm. I mean, <clears throat> historically, uh, Rob, um, I've been around one or three years myself and had various ups and downs over the years. But um, we have these conversations and we talk about our goals and we talk about the people that surround us, which um, for the viewers out there, it's a very passionate thing uh, that I've, uh, if you like, uh, exuded where I like to be surrounded by people who are smarter than myself. So it's a similar kind of context to what Sir Rob's alluded to, but financing, because most of the greatest ideas that have ever come across people's desks very rarely come to fruition. Where do you, you know? Where do you sit people down? Which at which point do you sit people down and say, "Fine, I've got your dream, I've got your ambition, I've got your goals now. Now we've actually set some targets." of what we want to put in the garage and what we want in our back garden. Yeah. When do you sit people down and talk about, okay, well, now how do we how do we do this from a financial point of view? Where does that come in? I think it depends uh, on, on the type of business or the type of goal that you're trying to set. Hmm. So, for example, Tesco's started off with Jack Cohen hmm. selling... Um, Groceries, in fact, it was mostly tea yeah. from a stall in the market. Mm. Then it went to a shop, then it got some more and more, and off it went. And interestingly enough, the, uh, the company that he started doing it with was named after the guy who owned the company, T.E. Stockwell. And the name Tesco's comes from T.E.S. Stockwell and C.O. from Cullen. And you still see uh, to Stockwell products in Tesco's today. I'm guessing the company has moved on a bit from there, uh, from when he first was dealing with them. Mm. Um, but it's still there. So financially, to start it, you didn't need very much. Alan Sugar sold car radio aerials. Yes. Market still. <laughs> you know, gradually, you, you make some money, you reinvest it, you buy some more stock, you start diversifying, eventually you get big enough that you've got a demonstrably good business, you can write a business plan for its growth, and then you go out looking for some investment. Mm. But that bit's a fair ways off. Most businesses that, that we are likely to be talking to can grow organically mm. for a while yet. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, no, very good, very good indeed. And I think it's, it's, it's a great example. And a lot of these people, they start off, um, but I think they know where they want to go, don't they, Rob? 
they've got that bigger vision, haven't they? Yeah. I think the people who are successful definitely had the big, bigger vision. Mm. Um, they, they started off the same way. Loads of other people started off, but they weren't capable of moving to the next step. Sure. They didn't have the drive. They didn't have the knowledge to get to the next step or whatever. And I mean, from uh, recollection of conversations that uh, you and I have had, Rob, um, support pyramid, I, I believe you've mentioned in certain notes that I've obviously been party to. Yeah. How, how important is your support pyramid? Um, well, really, that's a support to your vision. So it's mm. a, a support that says at the top of the pyramid, you have a vision. Um, below that, you have some goals. Um, below that, you have the objectives that you're going to set and the milestones. Yeah. Below that, at the broader base, you have what are the critical success factors mm. and what key performance indicators for mm. Mm. And then last of all, at the base, you have the metrics. How am I actually going to get the information to measure? Mm. Um, and that's really the support pyramid for the process. That's very strong, Patrick. Would you agree? Yeah, that's right. And... And um, I know I've I've heard a, a a lot of stories about successful people. And there's another podcast called How I Built This, and it's a lot of founders of of uh, you know large organisations. And a lot of them say the same thing, Rob, that they they have this idea, they're pushing it and pushing it. And a lot of them, you know, they're working. They might be working with their partner or something like this, you know, um, at home. And they might be bagging stuff up at home and have piles of stuff. And they just get that realisation at some point that they can't do this on their own. Yeah. They're trying to do this themselves. And like you alluded to earlier as well about Richard Branson, uh, he, he very quickly realised that, yeah, he's great at being the front man and, hey, here I am and, and being willing to do zany stuff. But when it comes to operations and running the business, um, he's, he's absolutely terrible and recognises that and then can find that talent. And I mean, and then again, that's a skill in itself, isn't it? Yeah. And I also think it's, it's not just that he's terrible. He's got, I'm sure he could run a business. But, you know, part of the Virgin vision was that you don't let it get too big. As soon as you start to get such a strong brand and you then want to move into travel, you want to move in, you started with an airline, you want to move into travel, um, you want to go into banking and you want to do all these things. It's too big and unwieldy. So you break it up. You break it up into different Virgin companies. You have the strength of the brand, which is the most valuable asset to any of those business areas but you can take that brand and it's a very trusted brand into areas where they're being poorly served banking you know it's been a a cartel almost i mustn't use that word in the same term as banking (laughs) (laughs) they could do what they liked more or less and get not great Yeah. And then you've got the, the challenger banks that are set up. Um, and Virgin Money was, was probably one of the earliest ones um, saying, do you know what? We can actually do a lot more. We can recognize these people as customers, not just numbers on a 
on a checkbook or something. Um, and we can actually give them some of the things that they want and make money at it. So it's, you know, you need some people who are going to be disruptors mm. and, and to disrupt a market. And, you know, I'm, again, I'm a firm believer in you can change the way markets naturally behave, but it takes a lot of money. If you've got the way a market behaving in a way it's always behaved, to change it takes a lot of money. The, the bigger companies have done it. You know, Apple's done it. Sony mm. were one of the first people to do it. Um, but you have to spend a lot of money to get there. Yeah. I mean, Bill Gates entrepreneured into a marketplace and now basically owns it. Yeah. I mean, they all own things. I mean, by the time this broadcast goes out, Richard Branson will be one of the first independents to have gone into space. Five, three, two, one, release, release, release. Fire, fire. Welcome to space. To all you kids down there, I was once a child with a dream, looking up to the stars. Now, I'm an adult in a spaceship with lots of other wonderful adults looking down to our beautiful, beautiful Earth. To the next generation of dreamers, if we can do this, just imagine what you can do. These are exciting times because obviously him with Bezos and um, Mr. Musk, yeah. they're all fighting between themselves now to be pioneers in that particular arena. And what Rob, what Rob is stating here is absolute fact. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And look, I think competition is healthy. And, and I do hope that Richard Branson can get a good signal for the game when he's in space. Tapping the screen in outer space. Why isn't this working? Um, yeah, he's, he's jetting off from Mexico. All right. Yeah, because you won't be able to back up and get a signal off his mobile. No, there? no, it's, 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 it's being fueled by tacos <laughs> and burritos. <laughs> but um, and the space race is a good example because you've got Elon Musk throwing money in, you've got Richard Branson throwing money in, and, and yeah, you said Jeff Bezos is trying to yeah. jump in on the game. And, and you mentioned it earlier with banking and said that word we shouldn't say, um, and it wasn't Pablo Escobar. But it was cartel, and um, you know, it's it strikes me that there's a lot of money going into this. But and correct me if I'm wrong, but the guys seem to all be doing their own project. Yeah. Surely, if these guys come together as a collaborative operation, their goal would be achieved much quicker. I think the the. Funding for all of this is coming from NASA. So NASA made the decision they would not be building any more rockets and sending anyone, anyone up to the moon. In, instead, they fund a program that's been driven by private enterprise and arguably, because they've got to make it work commercially, you haven't got a government bottomless pit of money. No. Uh, you've got to justify getting that money from the government against results etc etc it's it's private enterprise being backed for a almost an altruistic need because we need to be able to get into space 
Yeah, well, the planet's the planet's getting a little bit full, mm. and it's, it's it's struggling to cope. Yeah. But that's another that's a conversation for another time. We get a bit deep there. Let's 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 <laughs> let's, let's keep on let's keep on subject. Yeah, definitely. So, definitely. What, what what's kind of your next point, uh, Rob? Um, really, just going into um, the nuts and bolts of how to do it. Um, so I, I'm sitting here fearful. I'm a young entrepreneur. I've got a great idea. I've got a great service. I've got a great piece of software that I'd like to get to market. I've come to you, Rob, because basically I'm ready to go, but I'm, you know, I've only got a grand in the bank at the moment. What, is is there? Is, I mean, your process of taking us forward. How, how simple is that? Um, your project is. If your if your project that you're sitting there for um, is to get a commercial rocket into space, um, you've got a very difficult road to hoe because you're going to need a shed load of money. Yeah. Your project is I've got a little widget that I can stick next to your phone and let you do this, and I can make them for six quid each and sell them for fifty quid each. Um, it's a lot easier. Mm. And you know, you then you're looking for some economies of scale and a, some setting up some tooling and stuff like that to make them. Um, but that's the big difference. And you know, with all these things, it's looking at a business plan, and the business plan starts with what's the market for this? Why is anybody going to pay money to have one? Um, how, why am I in a position to do it? What's the competition like? What will we have to do to crack the market? Um, if it's something brand new, um, or is it something that's a me too project? Yeah. I can do it, but I can do it cheaper. I can climb it, come in under somebody else's price umbrella because they're making a fortune out of it. And I know I can make it cheaper, come in at three quarters of their price and still make a healthy profit. And by the way, you're, you're setting out an investment case. Why should anybody come and put money into this business? And then, of course, a lot of it is you. So what's your track record been? Why would they, why would they trust you with that money? And you know, what's, what have you achieved so far that says, I know I can make a success of this. Look, I did this, 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 and this. So it's, it's totally horses for courses. But you've got to have a sound business case. Yeah, and I, and I mean, well, you know, Melvin's talking about money, and, and it's that business case, that business plan. You know, I mean, some businesses need huge amounts of investment. They have to go out to venture capitalists and all this sort of thing to yeah. pitch for money. And, and I know we see a bit of a dramatised form in the form of uh, Dragon's Den in the UK. I think it's called Shark Tank in the the US, but it is, you know, it, and it is that harsh. People are, you know, they are buying into you as a person, but it's a pure analysis of do you know your numbers? Do you know where you want to be? Um, and that whole goal and planning is what it's all built around. That's the central core, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's probably... Not a great example because I think Dragon's Den is rubbish. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
It's a made it's a made for TV spectacle to give yeah, people. It's, it's you know the whole idea of it. Whether you know if it is rubbish, and I mean I'm not his biggest fan either, but you know it's it's to to give people an example of the fact of don't give up on something that you might think is a good idea. The fact yeah, that they yeah. humiliate people on occasion is not very good, but no, that, no. that's 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 for television purposes only, as I understand it. However, you know it, it does give people a little bit of an insight as to if they do have some kind of concept. Uh, don't don't leave it in the cupboard. You know, give it a go. Yeah, for the people who go on there, um, you've got a very good platform to show yes. what it is you want to do. Um, and yeah. if you look at Dragon's Den, you name me more than three products that have been a success where it's gone on Dragon's Den. Dragons have invested in it, and that's the bit that's made. Yeah, they- the, the only one I can remember is that sauce. There was oh, a guy reggae, running... reggae, reggae sauce. Yeah. yeah. Right roots. Reggae, reggae sauce. That's it's the only one that I can remember. Okay. There was another uh, chop block connector, electrical connector. Right. Um, there was one that nobody invested in, which was the little uh, kid's suitcase that they could sit on and ride along going through airports. Yeah, that, that took off, didn't it? Pardon the pun, it did take off, didn't it? <laughs> but nobody nobody picked that up, nobody invested uh, in it. And nobody invested in the tangle cone, uh, which is yeah. another one that went on yeah. there, benefited from the exposure, somebody invested in it. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's a joke to me. Yeah. No, no, I, and, and I, 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 I couldn't uh, disagree with you, you're absolutely right. But from... A young entrepreneur, just coming out, a young whippersnapper, just come out of uni or they just come away from school, they've got an idea they, they had when they were 14, that they're now progressed. I mean, there are plenty of 16, 18-year-old millionaires out there that have had that good fortune yeah. and the backing and the support, not just from their parents, but from investment, etc. Yeah. You know, those that are looking and still to achieve, where do you fit, Rob, in their journey? Um, probably at the very beginning stage of the business plan. um, And and I'm not worried about the business plan in terms of the detail and how pretty it looks and what sequence it runs in and all the rest of it. There's a a format that works, so that's easy enough to follow. But um, the real issue is for somebody to sit down there and ask all the difficult questions. Mm. Says, okay, you're telling me you're going to sell this many. How do you know that? Yeah. I says, are you just guessing that? Have you tested yeah. this anywhere? Have you done a focus group or something? Yeah. They're not infallible. Um, Sony took the Walkman cassette to focus groups, and they said, hold on, you're telling me I've got, I have this box. I've got to strap it around my waist with a belt and have a wire that comes up here and plugs into things in my ears. And I'm going to walk around the streets like that, listen to music. Get out of here. We don't, we're not interested. Sony went ahead anyway and did it. It worked. Yeah. So focus yeah, group yeah. perfect, but they can right. give you a pretty good feedback. And maybe you need to address some of the issues that are in there yeah. to change it and make it a little bit more attractive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And for these young whippersnappers, Rob, there's something, and a mistake that I've made personally, so, you know, hands up, done it myself, 
How do you deal with people that will treat their business finances the same as their own, as if the company uh, expenditure were their own to play with, as opposed to it's the businesses and you take wages? You know, the, the money you make is not yours, it's the businesses. How do you deal with that mental issue, which is quite common amongst young entrepreneurs? Yeah, <clears throat> I think there's a couple of things. Firstly, that if, if you are an entrepreneur, you are probably going to want to sell that business at some stage. Yeah. Um, keep reinvesting the money because, yeah. A, that you can make a business grow quicker if you keep reinvesting in it. Yeah. And if you can make it grow quicker, you can stay ahead of the competition. There is very little on God's earth now that is, as a business idea can't be replicated when somebody else looks at it and goes, that's great, I can do that as well. And so you need to move quickly. You need to get yeah. economies of scale. You need to build up an unassailable place in the market where that particular product is associated with your brand name. Yeah. You know, even becomes generic. We still yeah. talk about Hoover. Mm. You know, everybody's got a Hoover. They're not. They've got a Dyson. They've got a whatever. But we talk about using a Hoover. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's it's something like that that becomes the norm for it. Mm. But um, So I think the answer to your question is, yeah, don't rape and pillage your own business. Yeah. Keep reinvesting, making it grow. Yeah. Start progressively taking the rewards out of it. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, and Melvin, you alluded to these young whippersnappers, but I think there are the people that might have been in a career for 30 years and they have an idea. And sometimes they sat on the idea for 10 or 15 years. But um, again, it's there is still opportunity, isn't there? It's never too late to do anything, is it? Look, this is all very true because obviously I always forget how old I am because everybody up to the age of about 60 is a young whippersnapper to me. <laughs> we'll think of you as a middle-aged whippersnapper. <laughs> <laughs> My big thing, Rob and Patrick, is never stop trying. Yeah, that's very true. And, and well, like you said earlier on this Dragon's Den, some people don't get the funding. They don't walk away from there and go, oh, well, I'm going to... Yeah. You know, I mean, you often feel like you want to capitulate and give give it all up, but please don't do that. That's my advice, personally. Yeah, and I think that's part of it, isn't it, Rob, that, um, you know, you're talking about goals, and, and if you've got those goals and those desires, those passions, everyone's going to face that stage of, you know, that, well, you know, it's not going my way, it's not working, I've got things wrong. And I suppose it's the goals that drive you on, isn't it? Mm -hmm. If they're realistic, yeah. Um, if they're unattainable, the sooner you recognise it, the better. And maybe set your goal a bit lower yeah. and achieve that, which will give you the confidence and presumably some money to move mm. on to the next step. Yeah. Yeah, and that <laughs> refers back to your smart goals, doesn't it? That yeah. the A is achievable or attainable. Yeah. It's got to be a realistic goal. And, and sometimes that's like, Having someone like yourself as a mentor, 
Um, and I know I often say it, you know, I like brainstorming because I have these wild zany ideas and then people rein me back in with something that's a little bit more sensible and practical to achieve. Would that be right? Yeah, I guess. It, uh, it, it's one of those things that you can't really put a rule against it. I think if, you're, if you've got an idea, then sit down and try and translate that idea into a business case. And, you know, see yeah. what it takes you. If it looks realistic and you think it's achievable and there's a market for it, yeah, go for it. But, you know, have somebody to try and not tear your case down, to question your assumptions. Yeah. yeah. You justify it. Because if you can't, if you can't justify your own idea and the assumptions that you're using to make it a success... It's a big problem. Because what he's saying is, yeah. you don't even believe in it. Mm. I mean, we, we, we were going, going back a couple of minutes. We were talking about your own input into the journey of the establishment of this business. Do you come out at some point or are you there for the duration? The first part of it, I, is there a business there at all? Um, I'm happy to work with anybody to help them do that and evaluate it. I can take them through the stages that they need to do. If they are then convinced, it depends. Sometimes I have to be the bad guy. So I, I had somebody who, it was a, a daughter of somebody that I knew, and her and another woman wanted to set up a business selling children's clothes. Okay, fine. What makes you think you're going to be any good at it? How much money are you going to need to purchase stock? You're going to have to get these things made very cheaply somewhere. And typically that means overseas in a low labor cost market. Um, and then how much do you think you can get made for? How much are you looking to sell them for? Where are you likely to try and pitch it? Is this everyday stuff or was it? And are you going to sell them online? Yes. Okay, we're going to hold all the stock. For every garment that you've got, you need six different sizes and five different colours to give people some choice. Where are we going to do this? Well, in our flat. Okay, big flat? Needs to be. <laughs> Just start kind of thinking it through. And um, another one that springs to mind, there were two guys who came to me and wanted to set up a niche restaurant. I won't embarrass them by going into more detail than that. So, okay, what's your background? Where have you done restaurants before? No. Nope. Mm -hmm. I've run a garage, one of them had a recruitment company. Um, so why do you think you, you can do it? Well, it's, a, it's good, we've seen them, um, and we're going to take a franchise. Ah, okay. Tell me about the franchise. How many outlets have they got today? Two. Okay. Have you seen the franchise manual? No, it's not written yet. Okay. So what are you getting from this franchise? Well, we're going to buy all our um, stock from them. Hold on. You can't even go and buy your own stock. You're going to buy it from them. Yeah. Um, and they're going to put a markup on it, aren't they? Yeah. So straight away you're at a disadvantage. So tell me what you're actually buying. What is it? What... You can go out and do this for yourself. 
You've seen what it is they serve. You're telling me it's great. It's a success. Um, go and do it. Don't try and make it a franchise. They can't offer you anything. Right? You're paying for absolutely nothing. They went and done it. They didn't even open the doors, but it cost them over 50 grand to equip the place before yeah. they opened the doors. And they couldn't get their money back off the people. They'd use it to spend, they'd use their money to fund debts that they already had and pay them off. Yeah, and you know, if, if you could see it all coming down the line, so there is a, a valid reason to have somebody do a good hard test on your business case. Yeah, yeah. If, if somebody has already started it and said, you know, look, I can see there's a business there. I'm doing it now, um, but I need to get more volume. I need to get more outlets. I need to get some product placement into supermarkets or whatever it has to be. Yeah, there's a lot of things that me or somebody like me can do for you. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's and the thing is, Rob, that's honest feedback. And, you know, I often touch on this because people can have very negative, destructive criticism of people and put them off. But actually, there's constructive positive criticism to bring us back to a realism. So it's there's optimism, there's pessimism, but there's realism. And it's the realism that's a balance, isn't it? And um, I think anyone that gets an idea, we do get a little bit overexcited sometimes about it and um, can run away we, with ourselves. So we do need yeah. that realism to just pull us in with a reality check, don't we? Well, a good example of that is go and watch the film The Founder. Yeah, and it yeah. talks to you about what the McDonald's brothers did in allowing a third party in and having everything taken from under their feet. And well, they were getting a debate on that, Melvin, because that was because they they should have listened to him or shouldn't they, and stopped not being stuck in their ways, you know. Yeah, so. but they didn't, and he took advantage of that. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was a bit of a naughty boy in the end, but he was pushed it's into that. Exactly. Place, think, so. They'd never got more than three or four outlets. That's right. Yeah. But, you know, Ray Kroc was not a particularly nice piece of work, I don't think. No. But, <laughs> but out, one of the biggest brands in the world. To avoid me being guilty of slander. Well, no, I mean, listen, no one wants to be uh, uh, critical on that point, but the facts are the facts, and there's nothing you can do to change those facts. No. But, pe but people out there, need, you know, need to realise that you do need to protect what effectively are your intellectual property rights, which is another conversation, and so on and so forth. But in these situations, you know, a man like yourself, Rob, for me, is key in most decision-making decision uh, uh, processes through the journey of establishing a business. Because most of us need to, we have to come to terms with the fact that we're not, good enough at that level to make some of those decisions without, without a little bit of help. In, in some instances, I think people are, but they get carried away with the concept. Yeah. And so I'll be the your demanding best friend, if you like. Yeah, I, I, look, I look at someone like you as my consciousness. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd sit down and go, okay, so... Show me 
what the finances look like for the first yeah. How much of this you're going to sell? How much do you need before yeah. you can open the doors? Yeah. What's it going to be spent on? Why? Yeah. And, you know, that that's... I can put you, the hoops there for you to jump through. Yeah. And then it's up to you whether you're, what you're doing is sound and, and capable of going through the hoops or not. Yeah. Personally, I'd, be, I'd need some larger hoops because I've put on too much weight. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody COVID, eh? Yeah. Probably need some concrete drain, drainage. <laughs> so, so um, have we have we got near the end of our journey on this this discussion now? Do you feel wrong? Um, I think the biggest difficulty is the start point. The biggest difficulty is the start of the journey. If you get that bit right and you go through all-aching task of putting a budget together and saying and putting a business plan together that says how many are we going to sell, how, many, how much do they cost, yeah. you know, how much have I got to put in place for seed capital, well, how am I going to market this, um, you know, what's the competition going to do? Yes. Um, so, you know, it's it's doing all the homework and all the hard yards up front. If you can do all that and come out with something that looks like it makes sense, then it's worth opening mm. the door and doing something. Yeah, 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 that's it. And I think, well, the um, I know we've had a few good sayings along the way here, but if you uh, fail to plan, you plan to fail. It's a key learning point for us all, I think, definitely. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. So are we moving into summary stage then, Melvin? Well, I think it's time to sum up now. Okay. So have you got any final points, Melvin? Well, personally, you know, the, the learning curve with Rob Conroy is the fact that a gentle but learned view is most likely to be vital to the success that you're looking to achieve. And don't be frightened to ask a, another person who's not so attached what's going on in that, within that journey time. And for me personally, having tried to do certain things myself over the years, I have had much better success by sharing and speaking to professionals that actually know better than I do because they see things from a different angle, angles that you don't quite acknowledge. And the most important thing that I've got from talking to, to Rob and uh, being involved in entrepreneuring myself uh, is the fact that you don't know everything. No, no, that's, that's some really good points, Melvin. And I think, yeah, that, that very thing, I mean, people talk about mentors and we talk about mm. um, associating, you speak about it often, Melvin, about, mm. you know, and, and look, we are, we are the, the compound result of the five closest people we associate with. So who yeah. do we put around us? Yeah. Are they people that are not necessarily better than us, but their skill set is complementary to ours. They've got different skills to what we've got and where we lack, they've, 
got more of them. And it's having that wisdom. Um, and, I, you know, I've had a sit down with you, haven't I, Rob? And we've, we've talked through things. And, you know, you've got that analytical approach and you just need people around you that, um, that can be honest. And that's a real, I think that's a real deep relationship when you can be honest with each other, isn't it, Rob? And you have to be. And, and you know, from my point of view, I have to be, I have to do it sensitively and gently. This is your baby. And everybody believes their baby is the most beautiful thing in the world. No matter yes. how happy they are, they all believe it's the most beautiful thing in the world. Um, and, <laughs> you know, my, my role is to get you to justify that and just pull the rose-coloured lenses out of the glasses and make you look at it in a cold light of day. And if it still stands up, great. But if it doesn't, it's better that you find out now rather than a few hundred grand down the line. Yeah, absolutely. No, very true. And I think very well summed up there, uh, guys. And uh, I think our summarisation is now summarised, isn't it, Melvin? I think we've done enough summation. I think what we, where we need to be headed now is to, obviously, what we're looking to uh, give to our viewing community whether they're just listening or whether they're actually looking at us on the wonderful video. Indeed, and we are going to be holding a workshop in November, are we not? Rob? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be taking us uh, for a workshop in, in November. Um, just tell us a little bit about that. That's going to be the second Friday in November, isn't it? Yep. Okay, well, we're going to cover all the things we've talked about here today. Um, so, how to iterate your vision for whatever it is you want to apply your vision to, whether it's lifestyle, whether it's just a, a change in something particular, um, whether it is a concept or a product that you want to get out and start a business with, um, then to back off from that and go backwards down that pyramid and set down what goals you need to achieve to do that and how long that's going to take, put some realistic timeframes against it all and some measurements in place that you can measure whether you are on track for it um, or whether you're hitting some kind of problem or whether you've been over-optimistic in terms of your time in setting. So it's... Um, it's a, I was going to say a moving feast. It's, it's not. It's a living, breathing, flexible thing that you need to keep checking on and making sure that you are still going in the right direction. And is there a time to call it <coughs> this is never going to happen? Or do you need some help to make it happen? Mm. Or do you just need to double down and work a bit harder to make it happen? Yeah, and you'll, hopefully you'll feed us uh, some information on that day where it's appropriate to involve someone like yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There's a yeah, few different stages for that. Yeah. And if we could come, come away with some goals and objectives 
uh, in November, then perhaps when we meet again in our next workshop in December, it'd be good for uh, just to catch up with some of the people from November and just see um, it, what, what changes or differences or things they might have implemented in that, that month mm. period. So um, yeah. that would be interesting for sure. Yes. Good. So look, this is, we're going to move on now, Melvin, to the favouritism round. No. no I'm, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> so this is, this is, so we can all get to know our, uh, our guest a little bit more. We want to know some of their favourites. So um, I'm guilty of choosing this list. So Rob, take us through some of your favourites. Um, first of all, what is your favourite pastime or hobby? Um, I probably would say favourite in terms of enjoyment and satisfaction, um, DIY. Now, my wife would say, if you ask her, yeah, but it'll take a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I like the kind of short DIY projects, unless I've got loads of time to spend and, uh, you know, and then I like to do things properly and... And I don't mind whether it's plumbing, electrics, some small building, um, carpentry or whatever. I just enjoy it. And uh, one of my, when it's my birthday, and people say, what do you want for your birthday? I get the tool catalogs out and I have another look and I get something that I haven't got that I know will come in handy. <laughs> and I can do something I can't do today. Yeah. Next year will be an acetylene gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you are. But it it's, uh, keeps me happy. No, that's good. So yeah, your your perfectionism is obviously shining through there, uh, Rob. And um, I'm I'm sure there's some excellent uh, excellent uh, examples of that in your home. So uh, yeah, very good, very good. Okay, so um, your next favourite. Who's your favourite celebrity? And from that could be from any field, any field at all. Who's your favourite celebrity and why? Um, Well, very, very topically, Gareth Southgate. Ah. I think that guy is just incredible as an individual. Um, His management style is superb. His leadership is superb. Um, He's got uh, very little ego that gets in the way. Um, which is quite unusual in football management at the mm. top level. Mm. For most managers, their ego is bigger than uh, um, the team. Mm. Um, rarely uses the word, I do this or I've done that. Um, it's always we. Mm. He's very inclusive of the team. Mm. Um, he's very open and honest with them. And he tells them if they're not playing, why they're not playing. Mm. Um so I think he just epitomises everything good about management and leadership. Yeah, yeah, and he's certainly uh, he's certainly got his revenge in the last couple of games, hasn't he, from his uh, missed penalty all those years ago. So uh, good luck to the man, I say. He's, uh, yeah, he's awesome. thing, you know, that's that's something that he's had to live with and overcome. Yeah, and done a great job of that as well. He's he's lifted himself above it. Mm. Absolutely. And one one comment they made in the game, and I know we're recording this in July, 
Um, one comment they made in the game um, against uh, Holland last night, uh, or no, Denmark rather, I'll get it right, get the right Denmark, country. Denmark, yeah. <laughs> um, and when they got the huddle before extra time, yeah. and all the commentators were saying, well, it's normally the captain saying lots of stuff, but and so it's all it's all Gareth Southgate. He's getting in there and he's he's geeing the team up and he's he's speaking to them. So yeah, real great leadership there, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, yeah, get your point on that one. Okay, Rob, what is your favourite food or meal? Um right. Red Snapper or John Dory served in a beachside restaurant at sunset. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. He's even set uh, the scene there, Melvin. That's... I'm there. I'm there. I've just ordered the same. With, 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 with a very nice spot, <coughs> a nice sharp white wine. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I always put you down as a roast dinner man, Melvin. Me? No, no. <laughs> I, I, I like a bit of rough. I'm all right. <laughs> no, that sounds very nice, Rob, when you, you set the scene for that meal as well. I could have almost picture myself there with you it's very good um so oh now this is one of my favorites so who is your favorite cartoon i couldn't i couldn't choose between two it's oh go on then tell us the two come on family guy or the simpsons oh, <laughs> i think that's more that's more about the scripts yeah. Oh, yeah, that, it certainly is. <laughs> very, very, very clever. I have a highly developed sense of the ridiculous, I think. And it's, um... Yeah, no, they're perfect. Yeah, they are. They are. And it, it's just stuff that just comes out the blue and hits you. And it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally like that one. No, excellent choice. Excellent choice there. And uh, I must say... Um, I'd never seen Family Guy before. The first one I ever saw was the Family Guy Star Wars version. That was and brilliant. That was brilliant. I, I laughed till I cried because being a Star Wars fan, it was absolutely brilliant. And they took you through the entire film, the whole story of the whole film with a Family Guy concept. Absolutely brilliant work that was. Yeah, yeah he's a very clever guy. Yes, yeah, he is, he is. Um, so, next, next, Rob, your favourite film? I've struggled with this one. <laughs> there's, there's loads of films that I've enjoyed. Um, I think probably my favourite is a film called The Game. Uh, oh, I love it. Michael Douglas. A, I watched it a few weeks ago, again. I've watched it, um, must be on the... 30th time now. And I still can't figure out the answer to it. But it's so clever. Yeah. I mean, what a birthday present. Oh, now I've missed out on this, you see. I've not seen the game. Oh, Patrick, it's a film that if, if, if you can get a few hours together, you have to watch, but you, you, you have to watch it a few times. Okay, so give us give us a synopsis without giving us a synopsis because that that destroys the whole point of the film. Sit and watch it, and then just think when you've watched it, just think about the next birthday present you'd like. A bit like Rob with with his with his next tool. (laughs) Okay, okay, now that's very good. Okay, I will look out for that one then. 
Yes. So, so moving on to the next one then, um, your favourite TV show? Uh, yeah, that one I think is pretty easy. Um, would I lie to you? Oh. That- <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that, that's a good bit of fun. Lee, Lee Mack and his mates. Yeah. yeah. They do... They do bounce off each other excellently. Rob Mitchell oh, yeah. and Lee Mack right across. And I yeah. think those two and Rob Brydon actually meet up, don't they? And, and yeah. they, they, they go through a lot of stuff. You can tell yeah. Yeah, Rob Brydon is quite obviously pre-planned a lot of his little things. Yeah, but the, in, the, but the, the, the intellect between them is humongous. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the person that I'd like to, like to see on there is Bob Mortimer. Because he cracks me up as well. Oh, Bob Mortimer's got a terrific sense of humour. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's been on there once or twice, hasn't oh, he, Bob? He's been on there a few times. You always finish up on Lee Mack's team, mm. and it's bloody hilarious. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Lee Mack's a very clever guy. Yeah, Under, he is. Un, uh, understated, and, you know, he, he's got so much talent. Yeah, yeah, and he's a hard-working guy. I saw a documentary on Lee Mack, and where he was doing his, like they do a road show, don't they? They do mm. their tour, the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Every day he was driving to the next venue or whatever. Um, he would then go to the hotel and he would be writing the, the next script for the mm. series of not mm. going out while he was on tour. And it yeah. was like, this guy just doesn't stop. It's like um, yeah. a machine. So yeah, really hardworking guy. And a really good show, especially for banter. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we obviously know that, that Rob likes a bit of banter. So so the last one on the list, Rob, what is your favourite comedy of all time? I don't know. Again, I looked at that as probably a TV show and I just like the far show. Mm. I think it's, you know, it's not been on for ages. Um but I think when that was on, the characters that they created for that were just hilarious. The, the what show, Rob? Fast show. Oh, the it, fast show. Yeah. It was ahead of its time. Yeah. Who, who was in that? I can't remember. Oh, Paul Whitehouse. Oh, who, yeah. Um, who was the... The, the people you'd recognise, but I can't think of their names. Was Harry Enfield in there? Um, no, that's after they split up doing stuff together. All oh, right. The guy who's the competitive dad, um, <laughs> where, you know, he's, he would play cricket with his kids and they're like six years old and they bowl him a little ball and he whacks it miles away. And <laughs> To get it and drink, you know that that character was quite there. So I can't think of his name. He's a, he's a well-known comedy actor. You see him in a lot of things. Um, so yeah, anyway, that that was my favourite comedy thing. Excellent, excellent. And if any of our listeners know the name of the competitive dad, the the actor that plays the competitive dad in the Fast Show, please put that in the comments below. We'll be uh, having a look out for that. No, that's really good, uh, Rob. That gives us a bit more of an insight um, about you uh, and who you are. Well, I hope there's no psychologist watching. That's all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) So, Alan Sugar wasn't watching. 
yeah, we, we hang, hand this across to someone to do a bit of a, a, a Freudic uh, analysis of you, Rob. So we'll be, you'll be getting that in the post. <laughs> oh, I remember there was one thing in the fast show, I think was, it became a bit of a, an industry standard. Wasn't it um, Suits You, Sir? Yeah. Yeah. That was a big, that was a big thing from, yeah. from that show. Yeah. <laughs> and that was Paul Whitehouse, if I remember rightly. Yeah, he was one of the two. And, and, uh, and a blonde-haired gentleman. And there was the, the guy who... Uh, what was his... It was just loads of... Charlie guys. Higson. Yeah. Charlie Higson just came yeah. to mind. He did the jazz uh, compare, for want of a better word. Yeah, and I think um, Carolina Hearn was attached to it somewhere, wasn't she? Uh, don't know. Don't recall that one. Just from uh, memory, about. Yeah. I mean, we're going back to the what the mid nineteen nineties. Probably. Yeah. Now we're going to have to go back and watch some old episodes, and I'm I'm going to be um, going on Netflix to try and find the game. So yeah. here we go with Michael Douglas. So all good stuff. So thanks very much for that, Rob. Uh, it's been great to have you on uh, with us again. I think we need to. Move on and finish now, or Melvin normally tells me off for going on too long. So uh, I've, got, I've got news for you. You're going to be edited. Who, me? Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is probably the only bit that you're going to see of, or hear of me on the broadcast. Melvin and I have everything else cut out. And it'll probably only be 10 minutes long then. So, um, so uh, we'd like to thank you once again for joining us, Rob. So... Um, I think all we need to say now is it's a, a goodbye from me. And it's a swift goodbye from him. And it's also a goodbye from our guest. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>